When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Now it's time to talk about the Progressive Caucus in the House. For that, we turn to Joan Walsh. She's the nation's national affairs correspondent and a political analyst at CNN. Joan, welcome back. Thanks, John. I'm happy to be with you. Well, the Progressive Caucus in the House now includes 40% of all the Democrats there and a remarkable number of popular, high-profile, left-leaning first-termers who are women. Of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and also Minnesota's Ilhan Omar, Michigan's Rashida Tlaib, Massachusetts' Ayanna Presley, California's Katie Porter, some of our favorite people. The co-chair is Pramila Jayapal. Of course, the Democrats now are going to put together a progressive agenda that will show voters what Democratic victories in 2020 could mean but there have already been some fights inside the Progressive Caucus over over what that agenda should be. The first fight, for some reason, was over something called pay-go. What is pay-go? Well, pay-go is shorthand for uh, what is actually in statute, unfortunately, which is that the House must, quote, pay as it goes when it's proposing new spending options. So whether it's Medicare for all or free pre-K or free college, there's both a law and then there's also a rule. It means that they must then identify either spending cuts, ineffective programs, uh, defense uh, boondoggles, or else come up with revenue to pay for it. It's unpopular because obviously it's hard to do both things at once. And 
it really is a provision. It's a, it's a holdover from a time of austerity politics, even for Democrats. And, you know, austerity politics has been globally either repudiated or shown, shown to be incredibly ineffective and even harmful. So there was a rules package. This is really in the weeds, but it got to be a big deal. There was a rules package that has to be voted on at the start of every session. Uh, and it still included that PAYGO provision, and that uh, irritated a lot of progressives inside and outside of the House. But Jayapal and her co-chair of the Progressive Caucus, Mark Pocan, negotiated with Speaker Pelosi to make, and, and the Rules Committee Chair, Jim McGovern, to make sure that they would waive PAYGO. And it can be waived, and it's always waived. The, the Republicans waived it. Democrats have waived it. It's really it, – it's a bunch of BS, to be honest, although it does put some bureaucratic hurdles in your way. Anyway, they got promises to waive it for progressive priorities like Medicare for All. They got, they got some other promises. And also, Jayapal and a bunch of other people actually did what you need to do to make it go away, which is pass a bill repealing it. So pretty much everyone in the caucus, in the progressive caucus, fell in behind the two leaders, except for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, and Ro Khanna. And I guess Tulsi Gabbard in the end didn't vote for it either. But it was, as we call her, AOC and Kana, who, who really stuck to their guns and made it, made it a big deal. So it was an unfortunate fight for the first day because I, d- I really don't want to take sides because I understand why people object to it. But what Jayapal would say and what I guess I do agree with is it was kind of meaningless. It was symbolic. They got really great concessions and she was going to work to repeal it. So, you know, it looked like there were cracks in the Progressive Caucus on the first day. But in fact, you know, when you have three members peel away out of 95 or so, that's not, you know, that, 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 that's a chip, not a crack. So, you know, all's well that ends well. Ocasio-Cortez and Kana now endorsed Jayapal's bill to repeal PAYGO. They sort of pulled the troops together. But it was an example of how you're going to have people going their own way. And you also have uh, people, and this is a good thing, not a bad thing, but you have these first-term women, not just Ocasio-Cortez, but others that you mentioned, who have their own megaphones. And if they, if they disagree, they have their own platforms and they have their own followers. And so I did sit in Jayapal's office while her wonderful uh, assistant who was answering phones was having to tell people not to swear at her and because it became this big deal for a certain segment of the left, and that was really too bad. Of course, one of the biggest issues for the Progressive Caucus is a Green New Deal. And for the first time, the House now has set up a select committee on climate crisis. How did that happen? What exactly does it mean? It's not totally clear what it means yet. Uh, there was a, a select committee, uh, kind of, sort of, on climate crisis back when Pelosi was uh, speaker the last time. And it did, it, you know, held hearings around the country it can develop legislation. At first, there was some feeling on the part of activists and the new Congress, Congress members that it should have sole jurisdiction for writing climate change legislation. And also, there were some people who felt like it really was supposed to be hammering out the, the components of Green New Deal legislation. And Jayapal wound up coming down on the other side of that one. She made, I think, a, a good case to me and a good case that a lot of the activists went along with, which was we've now got progressives um, at the helm of major 
committees like natural resources. We've got lots of a majority of progressives on the energy and commerce committee. These other committees with jurisdiction can do good things too. And they can and they should come up with legislation. And, and folks who, it's not a good way to make allies to tell someone like Raul Grijalva, who now runs natural resources, who's a strong progressive stalwart, cares about the environment, that he has to take his hands off climate change legislation. That's not, that's not a good way to make friends with your fellow progressives. And I think everyone wound up agreeing with Jayapal and Pelosi on that. There's still some concerns that the select committee doesn't have subpoena power, for instance, like a, like a real committee, and that they, they can't just get polluters in front of them or, or people from Trump agencies that they want to question, that they still have to rely on the goodwill of said people. And so there, there, there was some grumbling, but I think people have fallen more or less in line and, you know, we'll still use activism to make sure that it's strong and that it has a substantive agenda, but the initial cracks wound up healing pretty quickly. And the other really big one, of course, is Medicare for All. I got an email yesterday from Progressive Democrats of America that said what is going to be in Pramila Jayapal's bills, the first I'd seen with details, they, the email said the legislation would guarantee all medically necessary care, including inpatient, outpatient, surgery, hospitalization, emergency, mental, dental, vision, hearing, medical devices, tests, supplies, pharmaceuticals, therapy, rehabilitation, preventive care, all with no out-of-pocket costs, no copays, no deductibles, no fees. What can you say except, wow, and certainly the Republicans will go crazy over the cost to taxpayers. What can you tell us about the process behind Pramila Jayapal's Medicare for All bill? Well, she, you know, she formed a Medicare for All caucus within, within her caucus, uh, and she consulted with other members closely. She talked to members who had not signed on to uh, the, the bill in the House in the last Congress and got you know some of their feedback about why. She gave me the example of, of Congressman Joe Kennedy, uh, who she hopes she can get aboard by sitting down and listening to him. She also had a, a you know a roundtable with about nine unions and uh, from folks from DSA and. Uh, I would say a wide spectrum of the left, of, of the liberal left, let's say, to meet about this and sort of develop. I, don't, I, I can't say consensus yet because I haven't fully heard that, but she, she really wanted to develop a meaty bill where other bills in the past have been a little bit less substantive and have provided less of a roadmap. So as you said, John, yes, Republicans are going to jump all over it, but uh, you'll also see some Democrats jump on it. I mean, Michael Bloomberg on Tuesday came out strongly against it, said it would, quote, bankrupt us. The unfortunate Howard Schultz of Starbucks, who says he's going to run as an independent, even though he's a Democrat, has been a Democrat. He's strongly against it. There are other Democrats who will who will say it's too expensive. But, you know, the devil is in quite a few details, to use a cliche. And I think you know, the question of, of how this is phased in, the role of private insurance, if any, folks who have insurance through their employer, what happens to them? Are there choices? What are the choices? These are all the questions, as well as how you pay for it. But um, the CPC leadership did get Nancy Pelosi to agree for the first time in 
since anything like this has been introduced, to hold actual hearings in ways and means in, in the health committee, in the substance commi- substantive committees that would preside over it. And that's never happened before. And that's a real opportunity for, again, education, consensus building, amending, you know, listening to people perhaps from the center, uh, maybe from the left who have a different idea. But it's, it means that you're going to have, I mean, I hope to God cable news covers it, but we know we will and others will. You'll have actual hearings where people talk about what this can mean and really lots of lots of money and time to flesh it out rather than it being fleshed out in Bernie Sanders' office, God bless him. He's devoted a lot of t- staff when thinking to this, but all those folks are involved. But my point, I guess, is when you get the committees involved, when you have that kind of staff power, you have an institutional bulwark for this. There will d- be Democrats who do not sign on, who will fight it tooth and nail. But you, it, it just gets a lot more official um, and, and real to people once you start having hearings and calling, calling folks to explain what it means. And, and I'm, I look forward to that. And one of the key things to explain is the response to people like Bloomberg who say this is going to bankrupt us, it will cost trillions of dollars. The total cost of health care in America will probably go down under Medicare for all. The only issue is where's the money going to come from that right now goes through the private insurance companies? Medicare for all would bring it through the the tax system rather than the uh, private profit-making insurance companies. But the total is not going to go up. The total is probably going to go down. No, the total total is probably going to go down. And it may be even, you know, if it's taken out of the employer system, people will see it in their wages. Although they will, you know, I, I... don't see a way of doing this without some kind of payroll tax hike, uh, you know, certainly tax, tax hikes on the, the ultra, ultra well, wealthy, tax hikes on wealth, as Senator Warren has proposed. For sure, there are going to be those kinds of tax hikes. But I would predict that there, that there should be, there will be, and that there probably should be some taxation that comes uh, through the payroll tax system. But, it, you know, if people really see what they're getting and also what's being taken out of their currently taken out of their paychecks which we don't all even know about necessarily right i mean you know when i was an employer for a while at salon and i had to look at what we at salon were paying per year per family it was like a real head slapper whereas you might pay you know for the top plan this is 10 years ago so it's you know it's much cheaper but maybe a family or you know one of our employees would pay 80 bucks a month but his family plan or her family plan was costing $15,000 a year so I I can't promise that employers are then going to pass that 15k on to their employees right or the 50k or whatever it is now but you you got to you got to have more transparency and we will have more transparency in the way things are paid for so i'm you know i'm not going to predict it's going to be easy i'm not going to predict it's it's going to happen this term i mean it would be interesting to see the house pass it but but it's it's going to it's really being talked about you know on monday night kamala harris you know who's not the most far left or progressive uh 2020 candidate out there came out no reservations for Medicare for all, including, yeah, it's going to place, replace private insurance. That, you know, we want that. Uh, I was a little surprised she said that, but that's how much the, the terrain has changed. And, 
And that's a good thing. One last thing. We've been talking here about the Progressive Caucus. You've mentioned the Democrats who will oppose Medicare for all. Of course, there is another caucus of Democrats in the House that call themselves the New Democrat Coalition, has about 100 members. In my world, these Democrats are considered, you know, tools of Wall Street in the pay of the hedge fund billionaires in the fossil fuel industry, committed to austerity. What is Pramila Jayapal's attitude towards the New Democrat Coalition? Well, she's got an interesting problem opportunity, you decide, uh, where there are about a dozen right now, and there could be more new Democrats who actually signed on to be part of the Progressive Caucus, too. Now, this really bothers some people. They think, as you just described, these people are, are conservadems. They are auster- pro-austerity people. Her, her point of view is somewhat different. She believes at this point that the, the caucus is going to have to develop some kind of guidelines for membership. You can't say, you, yes, I, I am a member of the Progressive Caucus because you think it helps you, but then come out against Medicare for all, tuition-free college, $15 minimum wage, comprehensive immigration reform, right? But on the other hand, what she argued with me, which I, I guess I come down on this side too, John, is that for some of these people, some of these people really are progressives in red or purple districts who are going as far as their districts will let them. She talked about, she didn't give me a name, but somebody that she considers very progressive who nonetheless can't come out behind the slogan or the the policy, abolish ICE, but favors very, very progressive, comprehensive immigration reform. So she, she made the case that there have to be openings for people who are as far left as they can possibly be in their district. And that maybe you do have a roster of, of CPC priorities, but you get up, you need to endorse four, four out of five or so I'm not, I'm making that number up out of whole cloth, but you want people to sign on to a certain amount of cer- a certain orientation and a certain number of legislative priorities, but you don't require full uniformity. She made the case very strongly that she would rather have some of these members have access to the arguments and the resources of the Congressional Progressive Caucus rather than be shut out and only have access or, you know, be be courted by and provided assistance by the New Democrat Coalition or, you know, other, other centrist groups, Third Way or something that there's an educational job to be done as well. And, and I think that's, that's an interesting and defensible point of view. Joan Walsh, the new issue of The Nation, features her story about Pramila Jayapal on the cover. You can read it at thenation.com. Thank you, Joan. Thanks, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.